Hello, Sinister Citizens. Thank you for joining us. Another week of Sinister Soup coming at you. I am Clay Vermola, one of your hosts. I'm Travis Vermola, your other host. And we're going to do some stuff today. We're also going to do some things. Uh, the first thing the first thing that we're going to do is our Bring Some Culture segment. And that's when we just tell you about something we think is pretty neat out there. It's usually something artistic, but not always. Sometimes it's just a cool organization or a funny meme that we saw. We haven't done a meme yet, but you know, I'm not ruling it out. Because yeah. we're doing this more by the seat of our pants every single day. Every day. Every day. So, Travis, what you got today? Uh, there's a TikToker again. Yep, I'm sharing my TikToks. Uh, his name, I think you'll really appreciate this one. His name okay. is Maximus Prime Art. And one of the art projects he's working on on TikTok that he's advertising is a United States map of cryptids. And kind ah. of like a cartoony style. Um, and he actually has several children's cryptid children's books out, <laughs> um, nice. which, is, which are pretty cool. So yeah, it's going to be like this large map you can buy that I think he's like making them as stickers. He's making them as printouts of United States map of different little cartoony cryptids. And each state is, has like a cryptid that fits to that state. Um, I'm mm. kind of interested and curious what the Montana one will be, but yeah, that's his name's Maximus Prime Art on TikTok. So check him out. He has some pretty cool art content as well as just some kind of honestly adorable like drawings of cartoony cryptids and the little kids books that he's written about different <laughs> little monsters. Yeah, I, I mean, I always like cryptids, of course. Yeah, I figured you would enjoy that one. Yeah, for sure. That's great. I'm going to have to look that up for sure. I, I hope he I wonder if he's gonna use Goatman from Montana. Yeah, I don't know. Um I feel like Montana has a few Or Dogman. Yeah. Dogman. Dog mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what it would be. I hope he doesn't just lump us in with the Pacific Northwest and just give us all collectively <laughs> Sasquatch. Yeah. I can see a sense that that won't happen, but maybe it will. I mean I feel like Idaho and uh, Oregon, Washington will have to fight for Sasquatch. Yeah, I don't know even about Idaho. That's definitely a beef between Northern California, Oregon, and and uh, Washington. Washington. But Washington seems to have the firmest hold on it, on the Sasquatch. On Sasquatch. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's just because I'm from Washington. Maybe I've just been brainwashed to believe that. Yeah. How do you yeah. know that the Oregonians don't have a firmer hold on it? Maybe they've seen him. They've all seen him. I mean, people <laughs> people in all three of those places I just mentioned have a Sasquatch. You will be able to find a Sasquatch story. A person you, you know who hasn't seen Sasquatch? This guy. Um, yes, this guy and the whole cast of Finding Bigfoot. Yeah, nor has Les Stroud, who also <laughs> did a show <laughs> uh, looking for Bigfoot. So, well, there you have it. You know, nobody knows where Sasquatch is at, but a lot of people sure think he's somewhere. I mm -hmm. am going to bring some culture. I'm going to bring a art page, uh, an artist. I met her on Twitter, but she's on Instagram and all the other artist places, Pinterest, places like that. She's also got her own website, which is where I'll link you to, because I always like to send people to direct websites if I can. 
Um, her name is Lauren Atkins. I uh, worked with her recently. She did a commission for me. Um, she's awesome. She draws cartoons, primarily like fantasy and sci-fi animation. You can hire her to draw you really awesome D&D characters, for example. Um, so great way to spice up your campaign. If you're looking for a, a birthday or Christmas gift or something for like your D&D campaign mates, hit up Lauren Atkins. It'd be cool to give them a cool drawing of their character. I can't do her nearly as much justice as her artist bio does, so I'm just going to read it to you. Cool. Lauren Atkins gremlined her way through art school, chewing up assignments and spitting them out with 6,000% more animals than requested or required. She graduated with full amazingness intact and not only continued illustrating, writing, and animating, she worked for all 78 zoos in the greater Philadelphia area, each more deadly than the last. Her work, Taming the Mystery Animal, comprised of the deadliest parts of all other animals, is the stuff of legend. Now in San Diego, she finally got the best zookeeper job in the world and wrote six more books and one script, which has already won the award for best screenplay ever written by a human being. Yep. All in all, Lauren is one sexy bastard. <laughs> That's well done. That's well done. It is. I, I have no idea how much of it is true and how much of it is false. You know, well, has she written that... six books? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> has she written any books? I don't know. <laughs> it's, she it's doesn't, uh, but it's great. It's a, it's a good time. So, yeah. All right. I'm definitely maybe going to reach out about a D&D drawing because I, I can't do it. Yeah, you made me think of it. I mean, you already got one for your one campaign, but if uh, for another campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean... So pretty much. pretty cool right on i love it okay mm -hmm. i think that brings us to the main portion of the meal let's try and do this you know we we talked last show about <laughs> we can't describe yeah. games very well yeah. so i'm gonna try and describe uh forced entrollment in the most succinct way i possibly can here we go okay forced entrollment Two people. Oh god, I already messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Come on, okay, man. I got it. No, hold up, hold up. Forced enrollment. Clayton and I will both roll dice. A D20. The higher roll argues for the movie we're talking about. The lower roll argues against the movie we're talking about. I am going to ask Clayton a trivia question. If he gets it right. He gets advantage on the dice roll, which means he rolls two dice and takes whichever one he wants, depending on how he feels about the movie. And if I stump him, I get to roll two dice and take whichever one I want. And that is forced entrollment. How do I do? No, you know, Better? not bad. Not bad. I think the only thing I would have took out maybe is the telling them it's a D20. Does that matter? Well, I don't know. We we did in the beginning because we we can't function under the assumption that everybody plays D and D, which is why I suggest they don't need to know what kind of dice it is. Like it, it doesn't matter if it's a D four. <laughs> you got a point. Like whoever gets the higher roll wins, yeah. right? It doesn't matter. If it's a D twenty. We're not working for Wizards of the Coast. 
when they when we name the numbers, they're going to automatically know that it's not a D four. <laughs> right. Anyone who cares that it's a D twenty, they'll be able to piece that together. Most people don't care. All right. We will continually improve. But that is forced entrollment. That is what we're gonna do right now. The main protein of the podcast. And we are talking about Jurassic Park a bona fide classic yet again another movie that even without giving an opinion on it it's unarguable this is a classic mm-hmm. 1993 and people are still re-watching it to today i mean it's two years older than i am as a person and it's still one of the most influential films of all time steven spielberg it put him on the map as one of the best directors of history so one of it's the most about, uh, one of the most accredited directors in history too yeah no opinions not best one of the most accredited directors (laughs) one of the most (laughs) uh yes um it is pretty self-explanatory in the name it is about a billionaire who wants to start a park where he has taken dna from old uh fossilized amber with like mosquitoes with dinosaur blood in them and turned him into living dinosaurs that he puts on an island uh, off the coast of, I think, uh, I think it's Costa Rica. I believe you're right. Somewhere off the coast of Costa Rica. It's like Isla de Muerto, Isla, Isla something. I was right. I should Isla just... Nublar. <clears throat> it is an uh, island off the coast of Costa Rica. It's called Isla del Coco, I think, was where it was filmed. I probably super pronounce that wrong is the new bar nublar is the island it the is picture. nublar okay 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 yeah but yeah this billionaire wants to start this park with real dinosaurs but before he can open it he wants to get the opinions of several different experts on, on whether or not it'll work and so he brings a few paleontologists a mathematician uh an expert hunter and a lawyer to the park to help him and his crew get it started and through a series of events sparked both by just kind of irresponsibility and irresponsibility and recreating dinosaurs but also one member of his team deciding he likes money more than he likes anything else shutting down the gates Classic. the dinosaurs get out and cause a bunch of mayhem it's based on the super famous book by michael Crichton called titled the same name yeah, did I miss anything? Rich guy makes dinosaur theme park. And then uh, but... he invites people to it, and dinosaurs eat people. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My trivia question, we usually do multiple choice. I'm not going to give you a multiple choice because it would be too Oh. Yeah, I got to make it hard. Um, yeah, that's fair. Jurassic Park was made in 1993, and at the time it was released, it, the visual effects, the VFX that it kind of brought into the fold were not seen before they were kind of mixed with the practical effects team led by the legendary stan winston the company that uh, helmed the project for really creating the visual effects that they did like they hadn't been done before was called industrial light and magic which is a division of what famous production company oh i don't know i have no idea 
I don't pay attention to that stuff. You I think wanna... you got... You can give me multiple choice, then at least I have names to guess. I mean, I'm going to guess, like, the first company that comes to my head is, like, DreamWorks, which I know it isn't. <laughs> um, Paramount. If, if I give you the hint, you're going to get it. Or not the hint, the, the multiple choice. So I'll give you a hint. MGM. Steve, Steven Spielberg is very good friends with the person who owns this company. Oh, Lucasfilms? Ah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. You're right. It was really easy when you gave me a hint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Lucasfilms owns Industrial Light and Magic, and Spielberg and uh, uh, George Lucas are very, very good friends. So, okay. He, he let his he kind of brought his division to Spielberg's movie, and they made history together. They made a lot of history together. That's there's no question there. All right, you get advantage. Okie dokie. I got a nine. You got a nine? Yeah. I got a ten. Well, there you go. All right. I'm rolling terrible. This dice about to get fired. <laughs> Last week, I rolled an eight. Dang. And that was with advantage. A nine with advantage. All right. Well, I guess I am defending Jurassic Park, and I get to go first again. That'll start in three two I mean I already kind of gave it away in my introduction of Jurassic Park that this is a classic it is a all-time classic in the history books of great movies Steven Spielberg debatably his best I think that's heavily debatably because uh, he's been working for quite a long time but a lot of people think that this was his magnum opus. And I don't disagree in some aspects because he created things in film that hadn't been seen before. It's hard for us to fully grasp the weight that this movie has because we've watched it now, <laughs> you know? But he's one of the people that started the, the ball rolling on a lot of the stuff we see today. And the thing is that I think is so beautiful is he still did it better than a lot of the people who do it today. It's really where the inventor of the wheel made one of the better wheels. Um, <laughs> and the, the reason is because he followed his own rules. He set these rules, like, up, you know. When you film a CGI scene, especially in the 90s and the early 2000s, you film it in darkness. You don't have the T-Rex in bright daylight often. You put him in dark, rainy use mostly practical effects and then sometimes add the visual effects and that creates this terrifying monster that looks really really good even now to the standards of today and then around all of that he could have just done that honestly he could have just made a very visually pleasing movie and it still would be in the history books but he didn't he took michael Crichton's story he condensed the hell out of it i will say that if you've read the book, the movie is not the book. But what I think Spielberg did and what the writers, the screenwriter did, um, David Kep, is they they got the feeling of the of the book while making a few liberties with the story, a few liberties with the characters. They captured this terrifying feeling of Michael Crichton's science fiction horror novel. 
there's never a moment where you feel these characters are completely safe. I mean, Alan Grant, maybe, and the kids, you're like, this is PG-13. I don't think the kids are going to get eaten <laughs> by raptors. But the other characters, like a lot of the side characters around them, you, you get this sense that like they're not going to be okay. These things are after them the way they react they give great performances i mean you have powerhouse cast you have jeff goldblum in his heyday sam neill laura dern richard attenborough um the list goes on and on and i think oh samuel l jackson can't forget him of course and wayne knight underrated good old newman is in this movie from seinfeld so yeah it's just a killer cast with great dialogue taken from one of the best stories in science fiction history and condensed into the film format perfectly and a revolutionary um, special effects team that really just changed the game forever. It looks great. Jurassic Park looks great. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it doesn't. Uh, the special effects in Jurassic Park are still some of the best special effects out there. What Jurassic Park severely suffers in is that, yeah, it is not the, it is not the book. And it is not even close to as good. <laughs> they did a pretty good job. I I liked Jurassic Park a lot better before I read the book. And then, because here's the thing. It's one thing when you, you know you're going to go way off the book. And you go in there knowing that. And you do that. You know? Mm -hmm. But they, they clung close enough to the book. That they were clearly still trying to like keep the the overarching story of the book intact and they just made a lot of choices that i wish they would have made and that i think would have made the movie a lot stronger if they hadn't but i understand why they did so this isn't just a critique of jurassic park this is like a critique of any any movie who translates from a book there's always going to be issues like this but i mean where you lose it the the most severely is in the richness of the characters and all the different people who are involved in this world, especially in Michael Crichton's novel. The characters are just so much more fleshed out, well-rounded, and in-depth, and they're also more varied. Uh, something they did in Jurassic Park, and you'll, you'll see this in lots of adaptations, but they take like a couple characters here and there and cram them into one character, you know? Mm -hmm. And because it just fits this archetype. And that's where I think Jurassic Park, the movie, suffered severely in terms of story and in terms of their depth of character. Is instead of these uh, real feeling people that Michael Crichton had who were motivated by lots of different things, you end up getting like these unimotiva uh, unilaterally motivated archetypical characters who are crammed into this really cool sci-fi world. They come off as being extremely tropey. I mean, you literally have just like your mad scientist who's obsessed with chaos theory going against the Monopoly man, <laughs> going against the like veteran determined scientist, going against the principled young moral scientist, uh, not necessarily going against, but you know, going they're all kind of going against each other in ways. And then you have your greedy lawyer who is the embodiment of all corporate entities and HR departments in the universe. Which, by the way, in the book are two separate characters who are very much at odds with each other. And my favorite character in the book, one of my favorite characters in the book, was the guy who was like the head PR guy for Jurassic Park. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he was a fascinating character because he was so he was the one who hated kids, by the way, not Alan Grant. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hated kids for a good reason. He was gonna get eaten by these dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm the head of PR. <laughs> and that's a, not a good thing. That's not gonna be a fun job for me. Although I, I agree with you on special effects quality and on its impact on the uh, cinema world as a whole. I do think that where it did choose to cut, to trim the fat, it did so for a lowest common denominator audience, which, you know, I'm proudly among that lowest common denominator in terms of this movie. But the where you lose when you do that is you lose story, you lose character depth, and you lose uh, intricacies, complexities that make that separate a story from being good to being great. And I don't think that the Jurassic Park story is great, especially when held up compared to Michael Crichton's work. This is a thing I've been coming around to a lot lately of when the story requires, when the book is huge, right? It's a giant story. And translating it to a visual medium, like you can't get all those subtle nuances that happen within Michael Crichton's dialogue and such. Mm-hmm. But the characters in Michael Crichton's dial like story aren't, in my opinion, the forward part. It's the world, it's the science, it's the fear. And that's something Jurassic Park captures great. And this is where I come in with a new argument. I've kind of been stewing in my head a lot of how I really do feel about it. I don't think tropes are always bad. I think as long as they help you get the essence of what was trying to be translated. And I think Jurassic Park does that very well. Because I don't disagree with you. Malcolm is super tropey. He's just like sexy mathematician guy. Um, Gennaro (laughs) is definitely like evil lawyer guy. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But what I think that does is as an audience, you're like, okay, I know this person already. That, so now I can pay attention to what's what they're doing. I know their motivations because I know the type of person they are. I can now pay attention to what they're doing and how they're interacting with this crazy world. And I think that's more important to the story than trying to like create a new kind of character that's outside of a trope. I think these tropes sometimes do have a point when they're used effectively. And I think they're used effectively in Jurassic Park. I also think they really just narrowed in on Grant, Ellie, and the kids. I think the writer's room, they were like, mm-hmm. okay, this book is full of people. They all have great personalities, but we have two hours. What do we do? And they're like, Grant, Ellie, and the kids. That's who we focus on. And I like that choice. Well, of course, they did it to sell toys to kids. I mean, you have to have your kid characters. You have to have them up front and center, and you have to have them be a big part of everything. Um, and obviously, it makes sense. They gave alan grant the hating kids so that he could be in direct conflict with his romantic interest board game of the week week. all right i gave you an extra two seconds oh thanks bud because yeah (laughs) you're welcome thanks all right very Um, generous is it because i complained no It's because I, I, I feel like uh, you get cut off a lot more than I do with the board game of the week because I get to like look at the clock. So uh, I, I don't think that happens as much as you think it does. Yeah, I'm probably being self-conscious. Anyway, yeah. board game of the week. What is it? So the board game of the week this week, we are talking about a strategy game, strategy card kind of board game mix called Red Dragon Inn. It starts looking like a more complex game than it is. Um, usually when I 
break it out for new groups of friends they're like oh my gosh this is a lot <laughs> and i'm like it's really not that hard <laughs> essentially it is the storyline is you are a adventuring party who's finished your adventure and you are at the local tavern having some drinks having a good time and you're all trying to get each other kicked out of the tavern there's two ways to do that you have a fortitude track and you have an alcohol content track and when the two tracks meet you are too drunk and you get kicked out the other way is there's gambling in the game and stealing and if you steal all of a person's money and they are also kicked out the way that the game works is you have a deck of cards you pull seven from the deck of cards and start with seven in your hand. They all just kind of tell you what to do. So uh, mm -hmm. you get one action card per turn, and then the rest of them kind of tell you when you can play them. So say if we were playing a game, Clayton could maybe say like, oh, I'm going to play this this card that has me like hit you in the face. You lose two fortitude. And maybe I have a card in my deck that says whenever you get two fortitude, play this card. And the person who hit you also loses two fortitude mm -hmm. that's real that's the game the fun element that's added to that is you have to drink <laughs> um, so not not really if you don't want to but like fake there's drinking cards um you buy a drink for somebody every round and then you take one from your drink me pile so the whole game you're kind of like giving people drink me cards and their alcohol content bead is increasing um, as they take these drinks and so yeah it's it's pretty fun it's a funny premise you're this raucous band of adventurers that's trying not to get kicked out of the red dragon inn uh, and it's also i think the coolest part it's infinitely expandable so the the base box set starts with four characters but there's like oh i think like six expansions now isn't there there's a lot of expansions yeah there's a lot and you can play up to like I, mean, I want to say it's almost like 10 people. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like you play as many characters as you have. Mm -hmm. So it, it can be a game that you really get everybody in on. Yeah, it's very fun. And uh, every character has some different strategies and stuff they use, uh, especially in the expansions. They bring a lot more mechanics to the table, which is cool. The, uh, the modular game of it, the, the original game is pretty simple. Um, but we played the villain one, and there's there's some more advanced stuff in that one that that gets really interesting. There's like a, I particularly like this goblin character, and his deck is a whole. He's kind of like a little goblin gangster guy, mm -hmm. and he's got a bunch of like hirelings, and you kind of have to use his hirelings to do things for him instead of him doing them himself. Oh, that's uh, pretty fun. I like that. Yeah, I, I also, if you get a group that's dorky enough, I love to just like play the characters. Uh, and oh, yeah. Cards, read the cards and voice and stuff. It's it's pretty fun. The cards are funny. Yeah, it's really it's well written. I mean, Wizards of the Coast is great at doing stuff like that. Yeah. And so uh, it's really awesome. That's going to be the theme of this month is kind of strategy games. So prepare for those. But Red Dragon Inn is definitely our first one. And yeah. it's pretty simple, fun game. A lot of people can play it. Yeah, it's relatively simple, but I did also learn there's definitely like people who aren't good at board games. And <laughs> uh, I've learned the hard way recently to stop saying like this game is easy Oh, <laughs> um, when it is to me because I play like 
I play like Axis and Allies and you know Terraforming Mars and all kinds of games that yeah. are complicated. So it it is easy to people who play board games all the time, but don't be discouraged if you think it's hard. Push through. It's fun once you figure it out, but yeah. it may not be easy for you. Don't feel stupid. No, that's not what we were intending. <laughs> no. Uh, yes, this is definitely me being self-conscious. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't want to discourage people from games. Just because we think it's easy doesn't mean it is for you. Also, doesn't mean you can't figure it out and play it because you definitely can. Indeed. All right. What well, do we really think about Jurassic Park? What do you think about Jurassic Park and your self-consciousness over there? I self-consciously actually believe what I said about Jurassic Park. Um, yeah? Yeah. I like Jurassic Park, though. I mean, but I don't think I really was saying I didn't. Uh, I was just saying it's not as good as the book, which is true. I agree. Um, but it's different than the book, which is what you said, which is also true. Because I don't like that you shouldn't be able to discount a movie being good because it's not just like the book it was based on. Like, they're different mediums. They're different. And I think I get a li- you get a little spoiled nowadays when you watch something that follows the book really closely. Like when someone says, oh, uh, you know, Game of Thrones or Dune followed the book like perfectly. And you're like, yeah, but they also like have multiple movies, you know, mm-hmm. automatically. They- it's a whole show. Like this culture today of making films is way more into like expansive, long, epic yeah. series. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they were making Jurassic Park, I mean, that was a hugely expensive movie. They didn't know for sure there was going to be another Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could be pretty sure, you know, they <laughs> they had Steven Spielberg and uh, they knew it was a good movie, but they didn't. The concept of making Jurassic Park a single novel into like a three movie series was not a thing back then. No, and they didn't even really do that. The, the closest that came is there's elements from Jurassic Park 1 book in the Jurassic Park 3 movie, but it's a completely different plot. And vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. But that's not, yeah, so that's not what I'm saying, though, because, like, today, if we see a book as big and expansive as Jurassic Park, we that's going to be a series instead of a movie these days. Yeah, or, or like a, yeah. A or TV. a three-part movie. Or a three-part movie, or like a two-part movie at least. At least, like Dude is doing. I think, I agree with you. I agree with your argument that a lot of the characters do get lost. And when I read it, I kind of was angry for a little bit. But then when I rewatched Jurassic Park, the movie for the show, I was like, it's just a different thing. Like, mm-hmm. they, they yeah. did a pretty good job. They condensed this huge story. They did use a lot of tropes. But it worked. And it's fun to watch. And it's iconic for a reason. But Jurassic yeah. Park's great. I mean, it's one of the best movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Just period. I think where I was going to argue, if I roll low, and I do, for my biggest problem with it, I think they're too easy on Hammond. <laughs> yeah, you've said that before, actually, and they definitely are not in the book. No. Hammond in the movie has, like, kind of a bit of heart to him, and you kind of see him as, like, even when he gets in the argument with Sattler, or is it Sattler or Sattler? Sattler. Lord Byrne's character. Even when he gets in the argument with her where she kind of like schools him and is like, you're just greedy. You still feel like, oh, but he's still like our nice grandpa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the book, Michael Crichton is like, this guy sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 
Like, this is a corrupt billionaire who doesn't care about human lives and gets what he deserves in the end. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, he does not live in the books. No. He does not get to walk away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I... I got I got no dissension on that one. He's definitely much more of a like a old happy grandpa figure, and you like don't want him to die in the movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the book, you definitely want him to die. You're definitely not mm-hmm. upset when he <laughs> when he gets eaten by the dinosaurs. No, I agree. I I mean, I guess my uh, beef with that, like, I don't disagree with your argument either. That tropes are not always a bad thing. They definitely are. I mean, I was using that was my dissenting argument for jade city right i was like when i read a fantasy i expect some things to to put me in that genre and while i also don't fully believe that argument i think somewhere in the middle is where the truth is you know tropes can be good tropes can be bad it's it's about how you use them and uh jurassic park is pretty tropey re-watching it but for me that was like an introduce, uh, introduction to a bunch of those trips because I watched it when I was a kid. That's um, and there, it's important for there to be good stories out there that, to introduce us to those tropes when they're being used well because they are being used well. Malcolm's a good character. Hammond's mm-hmm. a good character. Like Everybody in Jurassic Park is a good, well-rounded character except for like the hunter is just like, shoot dinosaurs <laughs> the uh, the raptor's cage is on <laughs> like that's yeah. like half of, his, half of his dialogue is just are the raptor's cages on <laughs> <laughs> they're near the tyrannosaurus park everything everything shut down did you make sure the raptor's cages are still on <laughs> in case i wasn't clear those raptors are really dangerous <laughs> yeah and i'm the one that's gonna have to go hunting them <laughs> so are they in the cage or not <laughs> i yeah. did i do kind of love that because i remember loving him as a kid <laughs> like he's their favorite character as a kid and then you watch it now and you're like he has like two lines <laughs> yeah he's as much a character as the guy in the in the laboratory that shows them the baby raptor yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no i'm with you i think there's one specific piece of media in 2020 that came out that has reframed my mind on tropes and I'm not going to say what it is because we're going to talk about it later. Um, but yeah, it totally reframed kind of how I think about them and kind of made me reevaluate a lot of this. And I'm, I'm with you that I think like this movie did create a lot of those tropes in your mind. And when I read fantasy novels, like Liza Lacomora, as soon as I knew that the like found family trope was in it, I was like, cool, I'm more invested now because that's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean we all do that right mm-hmm. you can tell a lot about a person by the first guild they complete in skyrim <laughs> yeah fair you know <laughs> mm-hmm. which which was your first guild in skyrim every time i'm trying to think what were the guilds again well there's the you know there's like the uh or wait the assassin's I guild I don't need to think about this. I'm I'm an idiot. It's not going to surprise you. It's the fighters every time. Your fighters guild every time. Pretty much. I mean, All I did right. fighters guild, and then I did Dark Brotherhood. Dark Brotherhood, dude. I'm I Dark Brotherhood last, right away all the all the time. I think I always do thieves guild last. Oh, I always do the mages guild last. Oh yeah, the mages guild. <laughs> You're like I don't do the mages guild. I did it once. <laughs> I had a magic character once. 
You're a fighter, though. You always play fighters. I always play. I like. I like the brutes. I'm. I like the uh, rogues, assassins. And I mean, yeah. the fighters guild. You get to be a werewolf, dude. Not in well, all of them. In Skyrim. Yeah, I mean, you can, but the it was like a essential part of the fighters guild storyline. Yeah. So I, I sure. really like that because I love werewolves. I also like fighting in the Civil War. That was fun. So that was a that fun was thing cool. Skyrim added. Yeah. Hey, Jurassic Park, though. <laughs> Jurassic Park's good. <laughs> it's a good movie. Uh, yeah. Dinosaurs are cool. I mean, I love dinosaurs. Yes, so, you do. Big fan. But Clayton was 100% a dinosaur kid. Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, Jurassic Park was, like, marketed so directly at me. <laughs> it definitely was one of the one of my foundational movies and I still love it. I love it to this day. It's a fantastic movie. It's like pretty much the epitome of what a PG thirteen movie can be, you know? Especially back then. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's awesome. So what would you give it out of eight? Uh I think I give it a seven. Oh, okay. What would you give it? Yeah, I was going to say six. A six? Okay, why? I think it's it laid the foundation, which means it's better than a five. But I think seven and eight to me are like my favorite movies of all time. And I think Jurassic mm. Park to me is like, yeah, this is really good. And I, I would I rewatch it sometimes. But the thing that it did has done better, has been done better now, in my mm. opinion, by a few movies. Yeah, that's fair. I'm good with the six. Cool. Six. Six it is for Jurassic Park. All right. Well, uh, links will be in the description. Links to us. Links to our Cultures of the Week. Links to the playthrough of our Game of the Week. And links to where you can follow us should you choose to do so. Until next week, everybody, thank you for tuning in to Sinister Soup. I have been Clay Vermolum. And I have been Travis Vermola. And we are both still those people. Goodbye.